You're listening to Tarazi Tuesdays with the Bible as Literature. Hi, this is Father Mark Bulos, and you are listening to Tarazi Tuesdays with the Bible as Literature podcast. Today marks the 100th episode of Tarazi Tuesdays on the Bible as Literature. Three years ago, Father Paul, Richard, and I began a journey, gathering online for early morning recording sessions on themes carefully selected from Father Paul's opus, The Rise of Scripture. A year later, on February 13, 2018, we released the first episode to the public appropriately titled The Rise of Scripture. Since then, it has been a marathon and an avalanche of knowledge all at once. Each week, Richard and I listen intently to Father Paul as he unpacks the text with exquisite discipline and attention to detail. No doubt, We have both grown from the experience, as have you, the listeners, or as Father Paul would say, the hearers. Congratulations to Father Paul on his 100th episode. May God grant him many years, and may today's program be the first of many such milestones in this series. I am happy to introduce Father Paul on the Bible as Literature podcast, Tarazi Tuesdays. And the Lord said, Behold, there are one people. Am, here he introduces Am, which is very important in the prophets. It is the people of God. And again, the message is clear that only God can make the people one by making them his people. And they have all one language. Notice this expression for which we have been prepared in verse 1. And this is only the beginning. To my hearers, I point out what I said earlier about the verb halal, hillel in the pi'al, which is negative. Whenever this verb is used in the active, on the part of man, it's not good. When man begins to do something, we heard about the story of Noah being the first one, the one who began to plant a vineyard. So the words are very, very essential in this chapter. I mean, the Hebrew, very essential. And it is only their hilam, okay, hil and me of them. It is only the beginning of what they are going to do. And nothing that they propose to do will now be impossible for them, should allow them to continue this project. And then he uses the powerful us that we heard in Genesis 1, and which I explained as being a plural, not of the Trinity, and so on and so forth. No, no, I mean... There is no trinity in the Old Testament, and there is no trinity in the New Testament. But let's stick with that. It's the deliberative. This is how you talk. 
like when we say, let us do something, it is the same thing of let me do something. People say, yeah, but I'm talking only in the singular. No, whom are you talking with when you say, let me, and there is no one else before you? Okay, very important that example, because people say, well, let me is not like let us. It is the same thing. You are deliberating by yourself. So this deliberation is so essential because the previous one that comes to mind when you hear it is when he made the human being. And that's why the expression Bernay Ha'adam is very important because this is what he did with Ha'adam in chapter one. And now he's going to go against what the human beings are doing. And then we have a verb that is translated as confuse, but I explained in my book, I mean, if you know Arabic, you understand what it means. Balal means to moisten. And I have given many examples in my book where in other places, this is how it is translated. Balal, their language. <laughs> but that's very interesting because this verb looks ahead to how he's going to do this action of confusing their language, in other words, of spreading confusion among them so that they won't understand one another's speech, which is Safa, one more time, which is the language. Okay. And both times in the Hebrew, we have Safa. So where we have here in RSV, the first language, the second speech is the same word in Hebrew. And Balal, it's God's big joke, perhaps in preparation for his joke through the name of Isaac, where he laughs. Now, and I want to impress my hearers here, that earlier he sent a Mabul, which is the Hebrew for the flood, the deluge, from the same root. Okay, we have Bal, and then you nominalize a verb by the addition of the letter M in Hebrew. It's like Shafat to judge. Mishpat is the judgment. I mean, just as an example. So here, God does not send a Mabul. Why? Because he himself took an oath not to send a flood. But with a good grin behind your back, but I never promised not to send the rain now and then, which is impossible because the rain is a blessing. It's unbelievable, this text. So he cursed the people with what is supposed to be a blessing. And that, my friends, is precisely what the law is all about in Leviticus and Deuteronomy. It is the same set of dictates of God that brings you curse or blessing and in the sense of or but it's not as though you have two sources as in philosophy of the good and the evil 
No, in the Bible, you have one tree of the knowledge of the good and the evil, very important. So he uses the rain to destroy the possibility of the hardening of the bricks. Fantastic text, fantastic. But again, you have to hear it in the original that they may not understand one other's speech. So he confused their project because they were amazed what's happening to the bricks and they have to discuss and to talk and so on. And it's not going to work. The project is bad. Okay, one more time. It's the original. That is our reference in explaining. And you see how God can do the opposite at Pentecost, where he unifies the different tongues. It's his project. So the Lord scattered them abroad. And here we have the hifeil of foots. Yafets, he did that now. From there over the face of the old earth. Very important because we have the repetition of what we heard at the end of verse 4. Lest we be scattered abroad upon the face of the earth. And God scatters them abroad upon the face of the earth. And the ending of 8 is magisterial. And they left off building the city. That is what God was planning. His foe, if you like, nemesis is the city. So they left off building the city. And here, the author, obviously, he's making his own play on words. That his choice. Therefore, its name is Babel. So every time you hear the word Babel, you remember the verb Balal, not linguistically, but scripturally. In other words, that text comes immediately to mind when you hear Babel. Because there the Lord confused the language of the earth, but again, that's a repetition of what we heard earlier, and we have no choice but to translate it in a way that the hearer would understand it. But I think it is of the essence that at least some of us will hear it in the original, that he, Balal, the language of all the earth, you see, he is against that effort on the part of human being to unite artificially. Remember what I say in my books, that a city is an artificiality made by the human beings. This is not how the oneness appears in the life of the flock. 
you have different sheep, you have different children. Sometimes if you have a big flock, you have different shepherds under the one shepherd and so on. There is no problem. They don't need to be one. They are, that's my coinage, they are at one without being one. A oneness that is imposed upon you. And from there the Lord scattered them abroad. Notice the repetition over the face of the earth. So the divine movement is totally opposed to the human movement. The humans came from all that area from the east to be in one spot, a plain, the plain of Shinar. And God is going to scatter them. And once more, all this prepares us to the famous Bikah of Ezekiel where in chapter 37, in that same Bikah, where he appears powerful at the beginning, he gives life again to the bones that were very dry. Again, let's hear these things. The text is powerful. And the bones that were very dry, God brings them together and put flesh basar, and sinews and then he breathes gently and they are again human beings and if you hear Ezekiel 37 together with Ezekiel 34 just a few chapters earlier where we have the whole passage about the one flock and the one shepherd then you put things together so this text really is if you like the ultimate example where one has to wait to figure out all its aspects. You have to wait. You can't understand it per se. And anyone who deals with this text is bound to do what I just did to the best of one's ability to find other texts. That shows you that this text really is very special. But it has its basic message, and that is very important in Scripture. That's where I come from to say that Scripture does not need 1,000 pages of uh, uh, seminary style or scholarly style exegesis. No, it doesn't. It's very clear. That these people wanted to come together to build a city and a tower, and at the end, they were forced to leave their project. It's not that they left it. They were forced by God through the same medium of the water, which is blessing and curse. And I usually point out to how in in baptism, you are thrown. People want to make sure that they bring the clean water. But the priest is going to tell you that the demons are lurking in this water. <laughs> so you are dumped in a bad water and God saves you from it, as in the deluge. So I think it's a good training that 
I decided to concentrate on this passage. Extremely rich, very rich. It would be worthwhile for my hearers to learn basic Hebrew, just to recognize the letters and so on, just to see them with their own eyes. And you know that this is what I try to do in my books. I put in parentheses, in transliteration, so that my reader would see it. I'm not misleading my reader by saying, but this meaning, there is no meaning, there is the word, it gives you its own meaning, depending on the setting. The Bible as Literature is a production of the Ephesus School Network.